As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Cross Kingdom Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Justin Carpenter. There's uh, boxes in the back for the tithes and offerings and building fund, baskets in the front. Um, I just want to encourage y'all, um, oh, I got a text from my wife, sorry, it was not Anne's daughter, it was her sister, I apologize, when I said who got healed from the arthritis, yeah, I get fact-checked by my wife and Cole at times from the stage, so it's good. <laughs> Anyways, um, I want to encourage y'all to visit the vision board in the back. Look at the connect groups that we have. Um, we're also in the midst of Josh is working on an updated website and that he's got some cool upgrades coming into that. And um, I'm going to be working on my schedule for courses next year and uh, probably changing the scheduling up somewhat on that. And uh, so, yeah, we got a lot of exciting things. Got a couple of conferences already scheduled for the spring which uh, crowned with beauty for the women, right? So Charity Cubic will be with us in February. And then in March, we're doing a tabernacle symposium. And that will actually be limited seating because of the amount of room they need. I think we're only doing like 75 tickets total to 100. When that goes on sale, get your tickets because um, we've got people coming in from Africa, South Africa, and all over the place for this. It's going to be pretty, pretty amazing. So, y'all feeling better? I am. I hope you are. Okay, that's awesome. Man, it's like I just said a joke. No, no one's even laughing. If you're visiting, sometimes I have dad jokes and people don't laugh at all of them because they need an upgrade in their sense of humor. Okay, moving on. So, I guess I just offended somebody. They just walked right out. Please forgive me. 
I'm going to talk to you this morning about manifold grace. Um, I think that there's, I think there's a lot of confusion at times in the church of what grace is. Sometimes people think when they're in sin, they don't need to repent because they're under grace. And, that, and that's where you, you get this terminology kind of hyper grace. Well, it doesn't matter. We're good. We're, all, we're forgiven. And so whatever we do, it's okay. There's grace for that. And grace doesn't cover sin. The blood of Jesus covers your sin. Grace is, in the, grace is empowerment. It's favor. Grace is, is his kindness towards us. And it's, he empowers us to live a life with his grace that we could never live on our own. And, you know, I've been, I, I think I said this last week, I've been really chewing a lot on statistics lately. And statistics are good to kind of evaluate where you're at. It's like when we did, after the Kingdom Business Conference, we asked for feedback on, hey, what, what was the things you liked the most? What were things you felt like we could improve on? So we can constantly be moving forward with a spirit of excellence. And... Um, I actually found a couple of cool things. Now, theologically speaking, I know some people don't agree with going back to the uh, original Hebrew language and looking at the letters and the pictures and the numbers, but I don't agree with that, so you're going to hear some of that this morning. <laughs> Bless you. And so, but what's, what's interesting is the Greek word um, charis is what we translate grace. It means grace or kindness. Uh, the usage, grace, as a, a gift or a blessing brought to man by Jesus Christ. Favor, gratitude, thanks, or favor and kindness. Now, interestingly, because I always like to go back to the Hebrew. And in the Hebrew, hold on. I have a picture that's moving on me. Oop, there we go. In the Hebrew, the first time you see the word grace is actually in Genesis 6, 8. And it, and it, it says that Noah, uh, verse 5 in Genesis 6, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creepy things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I've made them, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So this, there's actually two letters that make up the Hebrew word for grace that you find in Genesis 6, 8. It's chet, the, the letter chet, and it's got a picture of, of a fence, so like a private place or a refuge. The second letter is noon, and it's actually a picture of a fish which represents activity in life. So when you look at the definition of the, of the, of the Hebrew pictograph, if I can spit that out, it literally means God produces life in us and then puts a fence or a wall of protection around that life so that it may not be destroyed or removed. That's a pretty crazy understanding of grace, right? Now I'm going to take it a step further. Every Hebrew letter actually has a number value. And so the number value for Chet is eight. 
And for you prophetic types, you understand that eight is eternity, new creation, new beginning, a new birth. And the noon is the number 50, which represents eternity. I'm sorry, which represents the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, deliverance, followed by rest. And it's also jubilee. So when you look at that, it's literally the new birth that God graciously initiates in every believer and delivers us from the bondage of sin and by God's Holy Spirit produces eternal life. So I want to encourage y'all, when you're doing word studies, dig in. Because a lot of times, not everything translates super clean from the Hebrew or the Greek. And you can miss, it's like a flower blossoming and you can miss its beauty when you don't dig in. And so... In John 1, 14, oh, I know what I was going to say. So what's interesting with Noah is that the, he, the Lord destroyed the earth, right? And there were eight people that he put on the boat, which is what? The number eight, new beginning, which also ties back into the numeric value of the letter with grace. You see, all these things dovetail together. And when you spend time studying the scriptures and rightly dividing the word of truth, there's, you are crazy to think it's not God's word, the detail that's gone into it. I mean, even, even on a numeric value. So I love that stuff. So you got to hear it. <clears throat> John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. As the scripture says that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. And when we revert back into striving and performing and trying to make things happen in our flesh, we're literally putting ourselves back under the law and we're, we're making the power of grace null and void. And scripture says no flesh shall be justified by the law. Are you with me? So when, when we step out of grace and we start and we're not in rest, it says strive to enter the rest or work to enter into the rest in Hebrew. But when we're, we start, okay, I can do this, Lord, and you just want your little Jesus sprinkles on what you think he's called you to, I got this, I'll take it from here. Actually, that reminds me of uh, Troy Faust, his daughter some years ago, had a horrible car accident, had multiple bones broke. It's in his book, and um, her, her angel literally shows up. She sees her angel, and she is within just a few days, miraculously healed all the bones. The only thing was that was not healed was her retainer. And Troy was up. I, I was there. Troy was speaking. This was, I forgot which year it was. And, he, and he's sharing this testimony of this miraculous healing of his daughter. And he goes, okay, Lord, I'll take it from here, meaning I'll take care of the dentist bill. And literally, the Lord healed her retainer, and she didn't even have to put it back together miraculously, and he didn't even have to do that. And, um, and so, and he wasn't saying that arrogantly. He's like, you did all the, you know, I can handle this from here. And the Lord's like, no, I got it. I got it. I really think it's time that we embrace getting back into the streets and asking the Lord for treasures. I, 
if what we're doing in this house does not affect outside of the house, then we're in deception. If, if, if we're filling up in here and not releasing it out there, then it's our fault that we're not seeing change. Our, I just watched a video this morning, this girl from Antioch University, I think you posted, I reshared it because it was really good. She was super close to having her master's degree in counseling. And they have put in um, several, like, they're, they're destroying counseling, and they're making them even take an oath for social justice and some of these other things. Y'all, listen to me. We are at war for our culture. We are at war. This is not time to sit on your butts and just think God and his sovereignty is just going to fix it all. In Psalms, it says, The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's, but he's given the earth to the sons of men. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility on this earth. We have a responsibility in this region because we live here. And you're not here by happenstance. Acts 17 says he predetermined the time in history you would live and even the exact places that you would dwell, the very limit of where your feet would step on planet earth. That's paraphrased, but that's literally what it means. So you're not here by accident. And wherever you're at, whatever you do for a living, that is your ministry. You are in full-time ministry. Yes! That means we don't, we don't, come on. That means we don't have to idolize a stage or a podium and think that for you to be super spiritual, then you got to be up here. Second <sighs> Corinthians 12, nine. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Oh, we are so designed to hate weakness. We, who, who loves weakness? Who likes feeling weak? Nobody, right? But the problem is when we recognize in any given situation that I am powerless of making anything happen of an eternal impact on my own, then I can allow his grace to empower me. And then I can co-labor with Jesus and watch him stretch forth his arm as he sees fit through me. And then he gets the glory because he doesn't share his glory with man. What he's about to do on this earth is, is literally going to tickle the ears in a good way. What, he, what he's in the process of doing. You know, there's been some moves of God. They were in the middle of the move of God and they didn't even know it. There's renewal, revival, and what? Reformation. Those are the steps. And, and you have the very one that brings those things living inside of you, empowered by his grace. You have unmerited favor on your life to accomplish the very things he's called you to accomplish. You do not be deceived. Do not wake up in the morning and think, oh, it's just another day. Because guess what? If you wake up tomorrow morning, oh, it's Monday. Oh, it's Monday. Then that's what you're going to get. And guess what? That attitude's going to reverberate for the rest of your life. And you're going to look back and see a decade of emptiness because you didn't keep your hand to the plow. Time is short. He goes on to say, Therefore, I will boast. All the more gladly. 
of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's what you get in exchange when you admit your weakness, when you admit that apart from him you can do nothing, just like he can do nothing uh, apart from the Father. Then we have the power of Christ rest upon us. Do you know what he can accomplish? When his favor is on you, what can happen in a day? Y'all think about this. We were plowing along. We decided to start raising funds for land back in 2020. Then COVID hit. Hallelujah. And so we're dealing with this massive mess of COVID. And guess what? God prospered the church and we grew. We grew in numbers, healthy numbers. We grew in budget. And 2021, we continued to grow. But literally, our entire building fund was about 125000 And in a day, it went to 285 In a day. God is so good that when... Um, I just finished reading in Samuel with David. And, you know, David didn't go to war when it came time for the kings to go to war and he stayed back and you all know the story about Bathsheba and everything. But when Nathan came to confront him and gave him this parable, David, David, the justice inside of him goes, that man should be dead. And David goes, that man is you. But the Lord specifically tells him, I raised you up out of your father's house. I gave you, and he, he gives a list of all these things that he gave him, right? Because of his favor and grace on his life of all these things he gave him, and he goes, and had that not been enough, if you would have asked, I would have given you more. This is why we can't exaggerate the goodness of God. Go for it. Try it. Try to exaggerate his goodness. It says it's his goodness that draws us to repentance. It's in those moments when we feel like We're just completely blowing it. He goes, okay, son. Okay, daughter. Now you recognize you're weak, so let let me give you a divine exchange. Embrace your weakness, and I'll put my power upon you. This is his grace. The Amplified says this, but he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Therefore, will I, uh, I will all the more gladly boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. In fact, it even says that it's the power of the Lord that allows us to accumulate wealth. If you're a business owner and you're, and you're wanting to build wealth, it's the power of the Lord that allows you to build wealth. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of what? Grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
I don't know about y'all, but things have been a little turbulent in, in recent weeks, and and um, I have found myself absolutely needing God's grace, feeling tired, fatigued from plowing and and plugging along, and and then losses, people dying, and animals dying, and and just. You know, there's something inside of us when, when things seem to happen prematurely. There's a, there's a righteous indignation that rises up in our hearts because we know deep down inside it was never meant to be this way. Do you know, Scripture says that hell actually had to enlarge herself as wickedness on the earth began to grow because hell was never originally created for man. It was created for the fallen ones. And so it literally had to enlarge itself as wickedness in men grew. That just shows you God's heart. Even in the Old Covenant, he says, do I take delight in the destruction of the wicked? No. I would rather they repent. That means that even Uncle Joe needs repentance, and we should be praying for him. Sorry. That was a Freudian slip. But no, seriously... We, we, it says, pray for those in authority over you so that you can prosper and live a peaceful life. You think I like what's going on in the country right now? I'd love to start completely over both sides. I mean that in the nicest way possible for everyone watching on live stream. Please don't block our video. We love you. Romans 11.6. I'm sorry, Romans 6.14. For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under the law but under grace. Y'all, that's powerful. If, if you're struggling in an area of your life right now, number one, I want to challenge you to get honest with yourself and go, you know what? I'm not letting go of this sin because I like it and I believe it's doing something for me. If you know Jesus, you were set free from sin. So if you're letting sin reign in your body, then be honest with yourself and ask the Lord what you believe it's doing for you. Because then you can actually exchange the lie for the truth, and that truth will set you free. Maybe it's the lack of trust. Maybe, maybe you don't think he's really going to come through for you. Maybe you've allowed the losses of the last two years around you and, and close to you to begin to tell you what to believe about God rather than his word. Romans eleven six, But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. But he gives more grace Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think we take pride in being stubborn. And I don't think God thinks our stubbornness is cute. When, when, when we're being stubborn on things, you know, I, I've said openly that it took me six years to get into a place where I was willing to, to do a church plant. 
And I literally ignored it for six years and wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't even let it enter in. And in God's mercy, he stayed after me. And I wasn't swallowed by a whale. <laughs> Go to Kerrville. I love y'all. It's not like Nineveh, but, but the point is, if, if you know to do good and you don't do it, then it's actually sin in that moment. Many times we get frustrated because we don't believe we're hearing from God. And the truth is we weren't obedient to the last thing he told us. So he's waiting for us to go back to that place, pick up obedience, and then tell us more. When you get stuck and you feel like you're not hearing God, go back to the last thing you heard him say. And then ask yourself, are you obedient? Because he, he says obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, you can live a disobedient life and still be generous. But it doesn't outweigh disobedience. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. It's kind of like the old adage when you tell your son or daughter to sit down and they're sitting, but inside they're not. That's for you, Mark. (laughs) <laughs> just playing. <laughs> just playing, Mark. Don't leave. I love you. Actually, Mark's a great guy. He... <laughs> that was good. Good comeback. We'll keep you around. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 4 to 10 says this, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to rabbit trail here just for a second. There is a a big distinction, I mean, not distinction, there's a divide on the body of Christ level of authority in the heavenlies versus the earth. We, we are friends with people that believe opposite of us in this situation, but I do not believe that we have authority in, in the second heaven in this life. We have authority over the earth, anything that comes to the earth, but when you start trying to bind principalities and powers and picking a fight, you're going to be in deep trouble. That's also why we endorse needless casualties of war, which John Paul wrote some years ago. Mark's got one. He's fa- uh, actually fixing to do that book for the men's group this Monday, correct? Okay, so one week out. Anyways, here's what I want to say. It says that we've been raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So what am I saying here? I'm saying that there is a part of our inheritance in Christ that isn't fully released until the age to come. It says, Paul said, you're acting as mere men. Do you not understand you will judge angels? You're not judging angels now, and I wouldn't recommend it. But in the life to come, in the fullness of inheritance... The, the responsibility and the authority that man has is actually going to increase. With all of God's created angels, all the different types of spirit beings, and whether it's thrones, rulers, dominions, uh, authorities, powers, 
seraphim, living creatures, regardless of the heavenly realm, whatever state of authority he brought them into existence in, they will never raise above that. But us as human beings, as we leave this earth and get into the age to come, we will actually grow in authority and actually judge angels. But some of that inheritance is not yet released. And if you try to step into that place, it's a violation of his authority. It's kind of like going to your father and demanding all the inheritance before he's dead. I'll let you chew on that. Are you with me? I think that the body of Christ is afraid of the responsibility that we have on the earth. I think deep down inside, when we really think about the responsibility we've given to co-labor with Jesus and see his kingdom come to earth, I think it frightens us. And I, I think that many times people don't step into that because of fear. But you have authority on this earth. Anything that gets in your face, spiritually speaking, on this earth, you have the authority to deal with it. What I'm saying is don't go up there and start trying to pick a fight when they're there because of the lawlessness over a land. They're legally there. In Second Chronicles, it says, I will heal your land. Part of healing your land is the change out of the divine council where you have righteous principalities and rulers and dominions being put in over a region then then helps forge that corporate thought process towards righteousness versus lawlessness. Am I losing y'all? Yeah. All right. I I know I rabbit trailed a little deep there. I apologize. But we, we need to understand protocol. We need to understand, like David, how to go in and go out as ambassadors of Christ. We need to understand that whatever God's put in front of us, by his grace, he's empowered us to accomplish that because those good works were preordained before the foundations of the earth for you to walk in. In fact, it says there's an abundance of provision attached to the good works he's called you to. So if you're in a place in your life and you're not seeing provision released, are you, are you walking with him and laboring with him and what he's called you to, or is it what you want to do and you're hoping he blesses it? Yeah, Second Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Ephesians 4, 7, and 8. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Ephesians 4, 7, and 8. So, even the gifts that you have, they're grace gifts. They're given by his grace. And all of these gifts, whether you recognize it or not, when you're operating in these gifts in some form or fashion, they're actually destroying the works of the evil one. If you're bored in your life right now, pick up the reality of the kingdom 
and recognize that you're here right now and you literally get to see the works of the evil one destroyed. You, every, every time you pray for someone and oppression is lifted, you just saw the works of the evil one destroyed. You just saw the kingdom of heaven come to this earth right there in that moment. Every time you've seen a demon, a, a demon, a demon driven out, every time you see healing, every time you get a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, every time you are moving even in the gifts in Romans 12, any of these gifts, they are grace gifts. They were, you didn't deserve them. They were gifted to you because of your favor you have with God. It says we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And these are weapons. It says that we have weapons of warfare They're weapons of righteousness in our right and in our left. And when you go into a situation where there's conflict, you need to be asking the Lord, Lord, what weapon of righteousness do you want me to pull out of my arsenal right now so that I can see the enemy whipped and I can see your kingdom go forward? Not like, I can't believe they said that to me. And, And then all of a sudden... You're like, well, I just need prayer, and you start up the gossip chain. Because really all you're wanting to do is tell everybody what just happened and not really necessarily pray for the person. Okay. Offendable. We will be offended until we're offended no more. You will always get offended until that's dead. It's that simple. And our culture is so offendable right now. You could have a purple shirt on and be accused of something crazy because you're not wearing a white shirt. I mean, it literally is getting that nuts, y'all. And, and, you, and you have to be okay with not getting offended and loving your enemy. I know this is so much fun. Don't worry, it gets better. Isaiah thirty eighteen. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of just, uh, justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. I was, I was looking up the word, um, in Hebrews twelve fifteen. it talks about the root of bitterness. Did you know bitterness and resentment are the same thing? Has anybody ever really wondered, like, what, what is the depth of, or the definition of bitterness? If you have resentment with someone, you have a bitter root. Does that make sense? It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. How many times have you been in a rough place and you're trying to communicate with somebody and you hurt them unintentionally because you actually have a problem with somebody over here that you have not dealt with. It's, it's not dealt with, and it's coming through your communication because you're holding on to that bitter root in your heart. That's what it means by defiling everything around you. So in other words, your resentment, your bitterness doesn't just affect you. It's going to affect every relationship around you until you deal with that bitter root. So you're not going to be able to love others the way God's called you to if you think you can hold on to one offense because you're justified. Which is pride and God opposes the proud but then gives grace to the humble. 
So again, it goes back to this thing, I'm bankrupt without you and I need your power, I need your grace on my life. So I'm going to yield my right to be right. I remember a long time ago, John Paul was having a whole bunch of, John Paul Jackson was having a whole bunch of, t- of attacks on his life. And he goes, Lord, what are you doing to me? You're killing my reputation. He goes, exactly. Now think of the scripture. Jesus made himself of what? No reputation. But what are we trying to do through social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and all these things? We're trying to create a reputation. We're trying to create an image that will, we're we're trying to position ourselves as experts in areas that we actually may not be experts in. Did you know just because it's on social media doesn't mean it's true? Yeah, you laugh, but guess what? There's lots of people, I just watched a video where they interviewed a campus in Texas and everybody was going, oh, we're going to vote for Beto. We're going to vote for Beto. And they asked, I'm not picking a a political war here, so hold on to your pants. And she asked, okay, so could you tell me one policy? Well, I'm just voting for him because all my friends are. Y'all. That's not good. We have been so dumbed down in this country and, and intentionally trained to not think for ourselves. And we're seeing it. The culture in the United States takes their rightful place in the kingdom and marches forward hand in hand, not worried about who's getting promoted before them. It's Joel's army. You read Joel's army. That's what God wants. <laughs> Hebrews twelve fifteen Amplified says this. See to it that no one falls short of God's grace, that no root of resentment springs up and causes trouble. By it, many be defiled. I remember when I was done with ministry after youth pastoring twice and being stabbed in the back, spiritually speaking, two times in a row. And I've shared this story before, but I said, God, I am done with ministry. And I said, and I am done with people. I will love you, Lord. I will get absolutely as close to you as I possibly can, but I'm done with people. And, well, hi. (laughs) But you literally, and, and I kid you not, I really, I was so deceived in that moment because of my pain and my resentment that settled in. It defiled me. But I really thought that I could go through life and love Jesus and not love you. And guess what happened? I would go into my time with the Lord and, and try to read and try to pray. And it was like literally he was holding people in front of me. You want to love me, you have to love them. And that actually caused me to backslide for a period of time and harden and go away from the Lord. And in his mercy, he brought me back after two or three years of spiritually hitting my head against the wall and recognizing it didn't work out too well. But I was deceived in believing that if I had that vow in place, that somehow my heart would be protected from rejection. When the truth was, I was actually looking to those other people 
for my identity and my value. And when they didn't give it to me, I fell apart. Don't put a human being in your God spot. He's the only one that deserves to tell you who you are. He's the father when the, when the prodigal son took off. It says, and looking through the window, he saw him afar off. And he ran to him. He didn't condemn him. He ran after his son and put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, killed the fattened calf and threw a huge party. Forty percent of all children born today in America are born outside of marriage. This is the most fatherless generation ever. And Malachi said he came to turn the hearts of the sons back to the fathers, the hearts of the fathers back to the sons. When you attack the family and break down the home and remove the father from his place, this is what you get. Men that that are still boys and they don't understand who they are. Girls trying to find identity because dad wasn't around. It affects both, all of us. I'm going to start landing. First Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as God's stewards of the manifold grace of God. What are you supposed to do? As each one has received a gift. You at least have one gift, y'all. I don't care who you are. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That Greek word for manifold, sometimes translated various, is called poikilos, and it literally means multicolored. The multicolored grace of God, the multicolored diseases, the multicolored trials, the multicolored, and on and on and on. Every time you see that word poikilos, it literally means multicolored. Why is that important? Because God is the Father of lights. And when he said, You are light, he wasn't speaking metaphorically. And when you begin to think in terms of light and even translate, or uh, exegesis his word in that context of light and color, it begins to open his word even more. The Amplified says it this way, just as each one of you have received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace faithfully using the the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Let me finish with this. Romans 12, 3. 
For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. One of the hardest things you're going to find is to be okay with the limit of your anointing. If you're okay with the limits of what your grace is, then it's going to be a whole lot easier to not find yourself stepping out of your lane and trying to do things that you're not graced for. And if you're not graced for that, guess what? Somebody around you is, and that means you get to tap them on the shoulder and watch them step into the very thing that God created them for. And then the body looks more like a body because we begin to see unity in that body and the unity, unity of the gifts functioning together. And then we're outdoing each other with honor. For as in one body we have many members, the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Don't sit on them. Don't keep them quiet. Don't second-guess yourself. Take a risk. Obviously, that's not all in there. (laughs) If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You ever meet people that literally just, they have a gift of mercy? Like it goes beyond just showing mercy. Like they, it's like, holy cow, does anything offend you? I'm offended that you're not offended. Like, what in the world? (laughs) But we need them. I need them. Keep me in line. Last scripture. I think I just said that, but this really is. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so no one can boast. Why did I finish with that? Because there's a chance that somebody this morning hasn't actually received salvation. You may have grown up in a denomination where you thought it was by works. If you worked hard enough that somehow your works would outweigh your sin, not going to work. If there was any other way into heaven, then Jesus died in vain and you have a vicious father because he died a brutal, brutal death. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And so, if you're here this morning and and you're not sure whether or not you've received this beautiful gift, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift, not of works, so no man can boast. We're going to have some people up here for the prayer team. And don't leave. 
if, if that's you, or maybe you just want to put a stake in the ground this morning and say, you know what? I'm reaffirming my relationship with the Lord this morning. In, the old, in my old Baptist roots, that was making assurance of your salvation. Every time revival came around, I made assurance. Okay, I won't do any more jokes. All right, never mind. Thank you for listening. For more messages and other resources, please subscribe to this podcast or go to our website at www.crosskingdom.org. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.